the award-winning Your Financial Editor program on 930 WFMD, news from the worlds of business and finance with your financial editor, Chris Murray. Welcome to another edition of the Your Financial Editor program right here on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com and as a podcast. Thanks so much for being with us today. Hope your weekend's going well. Really good program laid out for you. Interesting uh, top stories, some interesting economic data. We had a two-day Federal Reserve meeting this week. What came out of that? Also joining me, in just a little bit, friend of the program, Miss Laura Reese. She's the uh, director of Border Security and Immigration Center at the Heritage Foundation. Um, she comes on, uh, you know, two or three times a year to give us an update as to what's going on uh, at the ever important southern border in particular as far as uh, illegal immigrants coming in um, and of course now in literally in the number of millions and that's just the ones we know about not the ones that got away Um, also where they're coming from um, their ages you look at these young adult males in particular uh, and the the threat the potential threat that uh, comes along with it and as we always say, if you don't have national security, you can't have financial security. So this is uh, literally a crisis, has been for the last two and a half years plus. And um, we're going to talk with uh, Miss Reese about the, the importance of the current Congress, um, in particular, the new House Speaker and how... Uh, Border protection has to be first and foremost. So I mentioned back in January, if I were able to control things, border control and sealing that border would be number one, along with, of course, in that same area, uh, tracking those uh, that kind of have slipped into the interior of the United States. And then number two, it's a spending. Uh, because we're on our way. It's a ticking time bomb, $33.6 trillion, and they're look at, looking at uh, trying to run these $800 billion, a trillion, $2 trillion deficits every year in perpetuity. Um, that's insanity, period. You, you know, you can have people spin it any way they want, uh, but it's insanity, and it will not work. So um, anyway, back to the border security piece, uh, Miss Reese, uh, very, very educated in that area, a ton of experience. She actually worked at uh, twice at the Department of Homeland Security on management and immigration policy and operations issues, most recently as the acting deputy chief of staff. So she was right in the uh, eye of the hurricane. So I can't wait to get an update uh, from her. By the way, she wrote a very good article, and I'll tell you about that in a little bit as well. Um, More bad news for uh, Americans um, when it comes to inflation. Uh, Americans are more worried about the state of the U.S. economy than they were just a year ago. That spike in pessimism uh, largely stems from fears over the Federal Reserve's aggressive interest rate hike campaign, which has pushed, you know, borrowing costs and just costs in general to the highest level we've seen since 2001. That was according to a new Harris poll that I saw that was uh, conducted for 
Bloomberg News. So the survey found that 57% of middle-class Americans think uh, higher interest rates are having a negative effect on their household finances. On top of that, about 44% said they were stressed about the economy, up from 40% just a year ago. By the way, middle-class Americans, that's a big range. And, you know, different surveys kind of move the goalpost, if you will. This is basically household income between 45000 and 180000 So that's, like I said, that's a big swath, but that's what they're looking at. Um, hiking interest rates, uh, it, you know, it, it tends to create higher interest rates on the consumer, on the businesses and the loans that are tied to them. And that forces employers to cut back on spending because, again, their debt service is increased. Um, And it also, as far as the homeowners, you know, whether it's your mortgage, if you're getting a new mortgage or if it's a home equity line of credit, if it's auto loans, if it's credit card loans, you name it, they're all impacted and in a very negative way right now with what the Federal Reserve has done. Um, And I mentioned they had a two-day meeting. We'll get to that in a couple minutes. It was good to see that General Motors and the UAW reached a tentative agreement at the beginning of this week, basically saying that um, that uh, Ford and um, General Motors and uh, Stellantis, which is the Chrysler, uh, the company that owns Chrysler, all pretty much are on the same page, and uh, they're going to try to you know hammer out the specifics. Uh, it looks like just for General Motors alone, it's going to cost GM $7 billion over four and a half years just in higher labor cost. So, um, it, okay, so if it's going to cost them that, who pays for it, right? That's the question. That's a common sense question. Well, General Motors can either eat it, which is going to impact their stock price and their forecast, or they can pass that on in vehicle cost, or they can do a combination of the two. So we're going to see that as it plays out, one way or another, the consumer is going to be paying more, whether it's a lot more or, you know, a little more uh, for vehicles, uh, parts, et cetera. So that that strike, uh, you know, again, is looks like it's been um, um, kind of brought to an end as they work out the details. And um, which is good because it was it had already cost the economy, I think, anywhere from eight to nine billion dollars. And as always, the people that get uh, tore up the most are the down uh, stream folks, you know, the suppliers, um, the warehouses, you know, the businesses that are tied to um big automakers. So I was glad to see that for them in particular. Um it, it's, you know, it's everybody's opinion if the UAW uh, demanded and got more than they should have or not. But it does come back around to complete that circle that the consumer is going to pay more one way or the other. Um, and then we heard that, you know, again, from a big organization, uh, the National Association of Business Economists, they basically came out this week and said that the uh, October 2023 Business Condition Survey, the results of that suggest a more challenging business environment as the economy is slowing down. Uh, sales are seen as growing, but at a slower pace, according to these folks, and profit margins are reported to be declining. So that uh, came out on Monday. The NABE, uh, the National Association of Business Economists, um, is 
is followed closely by some folks. So I uh, just wanted to make sure I included that because, you know, a lot of the stuff that comes, oh, you know, over my desk, through my desk, on my desk, I don't share with you. But some things I like to, you, you know, to get out there so you're seeing um, a little bit uh, deeper end of the pool as far as the data that's coming out. Um, one of the problems, and, and I mentioned this, you know, these these ongoing deficits where, you know, you're running trillion dollars. Uh, well, last year, fiscal year 2023, October to October, um, the government said $1.7 trillion deficit. Which, you know, it's it's impossible to get your arms around that, right? Um, and, and actually, if you look at the shell game that this administration is playing with student loan debt, it's really $2 trillion. So, um, you, you know, they're, they're moving things around, some smoke and mirrors, um, and they're acting like if you don't pay for everything they ask you to pay for, the world's going to end, and that's just a blatant lie. And fortunately... I think a lot of people are realizing that, paying more attention, um, which is a good thing. And here's why. Because to finance that debt, um, you, you you have to be able to sell government bonds and notes. And if, uh, if you can't, you have a real problem. So a lot of foreigners are looking in our window kind of saying, well, wait a minute, America has never done this before. $33.6 trillion in debt going up so quickly every second that you can't, your eye can't keep up with it. If you look at the, uh, the U S debt clock.org and that, by the way, that 33.6 doesn't include the shortfall for social security, Medicare, things like that. It's you cannot. It's unsustainable. You can't do it. It's it's a crisis. You know, we've been talking about it for years and it's just getting worse literally by the minute. When you look at that U.S. debt clock dot O.R.G. Right. Um, so the U.S. Treasury Department came out this week saying um, we're going to have to change things around with how we're selling debt. Why? Because the appetite's not there. That's why. We're not the we're not the flight to security like we used to be, and it's all politicians' fault. And the 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 people that were politicians that sold their souls while they were in office left, and then you know if they didn't stay in office and enrich themselves, when they left they did, but they sold their souls. As far as I'm concerned, they're traitors. I don't care if they operate it within legal lines or not. You're a traitor to your country. So uh, this goes back after NAFTA was blown up, uh, or excuse me, passed um, back, you know, in the 90s. And um, you saw this country change dramatically as far as our manufacturing base, our workforce. Again, these are just people that wanted to see stuff over in China. They were making money. Man, they had sold their souls. Businesses, too, by the way. Um, But anyway... That that's a fact. Is that the Treasury is saying, "Oh, we're going to have some problems trying to sell this debt because we're not fiscally responsible." On top of that, with these higher interest rates, it's uh, costing us, the taxpayer, probably about eight hundred billion dollars 
just this year alone in interest on that debt. It's not sustainable. This is a crisis and it needs to be addressed immediately. So um, here's something else, some follow-up, right? We had talked about Anheuser-Busch InBev, the whole Bud Light fiasco back in the spring. Well, they came out again with third quarter earnings saying that uh, because of Bud Light sales, their third quarter uh, decline was 13.5% in the company's revenue. It's real money. You're talking about billions and billions of dollars. It uh, also noted a 17.6% decline in sales to wholesalers. These are the guys that got caught up in the crossfire, right? As well as a decline uh, for sales to retailers. Again, these are innocent bystanders taking the bullet. Because people are still boycotting Bud Light. Why? It's a massive just backlash from traditional moral-based people who don't want to see that sickness. This Dylan Mulvaney guy, cross-dresser, transvestite, whatever he is, I mean, he's a man acting like a woman, that's all. But it's literally crushing a company and those poor people down line, those wholesalers and retailers. And then get this. And by the way, Bud Light was America's best-selling beer for over 20 years. That's how much damage this guy did. And the, the, the foolish people that were running the marketing department for not knowing your, your customer, you're just idiots. And there's a lot of you out there. I know that. And a lot of you fresh out of college, and we're seeing more and more what that means. It's always not a, a good thing at all. Um, but maybe you'll learn. You know, maybe you'll learn and, and see the light. But here's the latest thing. Anheuser-Busch announced a new multi-year marketing partnership with, of all organizations, the Ultimate Fighting Championship, the UFC, Mixed Martial Arts. So they're going to become a uh, you know an official partner of the brand. Now I'm a I, I admire what Dana White, the president of the UFC, has done over time, taking this basically from a backyard cage match in its early days to stardom, multi multi billion dollar industry. It's phenomenal. But I mean I don't know what did he have a brain freeze. And he realized, oh, yeah, let's go um, take all of these jacked up men and women who love combat, you know, very traditional, um, very moral based, it seems, and uh, and and sign up with with Bud Light. So that begs the question, will there be a boycott? of UFC somehow and cost them money. That uh, is something that we'll keep an eye on. But uh, again, it's amazing when you look at these decisions that people make, even if it's for a lot of money, it's just, you know, you have to say, well, maybe I'll get some upfront money, but oh, wait a minute, I'm alienating my fan base. Um, And we've seen it in NASCAR and in all the other, or many other areas as well. When we look at, um, some of the data from this week, 
Uh, home prices surged to a new record high in August. So this is a lagging indicator uh, by S&P Case-Shiller. And uh, basically, they said the prices were up four-tenths of 1% nationally uh, from the July to August period. Like I said, a lagging period. They were up uh, 2.6% from their peak at the same time last year. That's the highest level we've seen since 1987. So um, even though it's lagging, that piece is looked at uh, pretty closely. And of course, the regional differences were substantial, according to the uh, managing director at uh, S&P. But the number of available homes on the market at the end of July was down by more than 9% from the same time a year ago and uh, down a stunning 46% from the typical amount of inventory before what? The virus came from China. So there again, there's another reason that uh, we should be, um, you know, giving China a ni- nice rap in the nose to get their attention because obviously nobody has brought this up. And then what we found after the virus was the um, ridiculous, so harmful, reckless spending, which was a big amount of fuel for inflation along with the Federal Reserve uh, throwing money into the system and then the Fed's coming out saying, oh, we've got to fix this. It's not transitory and jacking up interest rates. So now you're looking at mortgage applications, which fell for the third consecutive week last week as uh, interest rates were as high as we've seen them in 23 years. That was according to the Mortgage Bankers Association. So uh, just not good. Another piece that came out was uh, the report from the consumer, uh, or excuse me, the conference board consumer confidence report went from a reading of uh, 103 down to 102.6 in October. Um, just it's, it wasn't a good report. Again, people, the you know, the write-in responses from people showed that uh, consumers continue to be preoccupied with rising prices in general and for grocery and gasoline prices in particular. Um, which, by the way, on the energy thing, another top story, uh, you know, the Department of Interior canceled um, some lease sales for exploration and extraction in the Gulf of Mexico. I want to say it was around 73 million acres. So this administration, they know they can't get things through Congress, so they go through agencies whether it's Department of Interior, the Department of Labor, Department of Energy, um, and basically they act like they don't have to answer to anybody. So they'll tell you, yeah, we're going to, we understand we need to do more um, exploration and harvesting of our own resources here in the United States that are less expensive, reliable. Uh, we do the very best job of extraction of anybody in the world, as far as I'm concerned, plus all the jobs um, and prosperity that it brings. So they say at one side of their mouth every now and then they're going to be part of that, and then they cancel this sale. Or they'll say, yeah, we'll grant that permit, um, but we're not going to grant you the permit for the road that needs to be put in for where you need to get to make that permit viable. It's all just a shell game, just all smoke and mirrors. 
Um, but basically what they're doing is taking money out of your pocket and it's money you will never see again. This isn't something that, you know, once we fix it, hopefully in a couple years and get back to uh, energy independence and uh, exporting more energy for the rest of the world to help those who need it and especially those that are poor to bring them out of poverty because it is the most cost effective as opposed to well you just saw this week that um, foolish uh, wind turbine project up off of the uh, the Jersey Shore luckily uh, that was canceled and that's fantastic because as we've been talking about the dead whales uh, the dead dolphins, you know, you name it. And that's just what we know about. We don't know about all the other schools of, of fish or whatever it may be that's just been decimated because of uh, the impact. And even go above the water with, you know, tearing up the uh, the birds in flight. Um, so this is great. That's, that's, a, that's a huge win. And you're starting to see, again, people realize, number one, they are so thankful, like I am, that Al Gore and John Kerry never became president because we see what they're doing in climate with their lies and manipulation and self-enrichment that, boy, if they had been able to run the country, we would have been even worse off than we are now. So a lot of that is being brought to light, and I'm very thankful for that. And uh, we're going to continue to tell you the truth about it. Um and uh, eventually, there there will be things that replace traditional energy sources, and that'll be great. But uh, their time will come once they're uh, tried and true, and they're cost-effective, especially for those in other parts of the world that need energy. I mean, you have to remember, we, we all do. There's people, they don't have a refrigerator. You know, they, they can't keep food fresh. But if we bring them uh, cheap energy sources that are reliable and consistent and cost-effective, the cheapest that you know we can for them, we'll help pull them out of poverty and give them better lives and expand their, their, their life expectancy, I would imagine, right? Because they'll have better diets. They'll have more consistent uh, diets where they have food and, and just like with water and everything else. So um, seeing that wind project blown up off of the, the one that was going to be put in motion off of uh, the coast up in Jersey is phenomenal. Fantastic. Huge win. I know the eco-terrorists are upset and um, again, the Al Gores and who were talking about rain bombs and all the nonsense to try to get you uh, feel like your hair's on fire, which unfortunately they've been able to do to a lot of uh, youth. Uh, but hopefully they'll find their way. You know, they'll they'll have to sit there one day and admit truth uh, themselves. Um, so I mentioned the uh, to wrap things up on this side. To uh, I mentioned the Federal Reserve having a two day meeting. Luckily they didn't do anything. No more damage. They kept rates at between five and a quarter and five and a half percent, and that's it. They talk tough. Jerome Powell did that, you know, they're going to continue to watch the data. And if it's not what they want to see, they're going to raise rates again. And kind of, you know, you're just sitting up there talking. You wonder who's really listening because they don't have any credibility. They lost that um, because they called inflation transitory 
and uh, they were way late to the game, much later than they should have been, and uh, it's really a shame, and it's cost people drastically. So, um, oh, the jo- I forgot to mention the jobs report yesterday. That came in light as well. So, uh, basically, the consensus was 180,000 jobs to have been added in uh, the month of October. It was 150, 150,000. So um, I mentioned with Bob and Chris uh, on the Friday show, I thought between 150 to 180, 180 was a consensus. 150 is where it came in. Um, No big surprise, a little less than what a lot of people were looking for. But um, I don't think it's a big deal uh, one way or the other. If anything, it helps the uh, Fed. Um, sit on their hands for a little bit longer so um you know again that's that's could be a good thing um all right quick break when we come back we'll be talking with my guest miss laura reese director of border security and immigration center at uh, the heritage foundation what's going on with the border oh it's so important and we're going to talk about it monday morning merle don't worry about the girl he used to love Tuesday's throwback springs to It's your financial editor with Chris Murray on 930 WFMD. Are you ready? Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com and as a podcast. Thanks so much for uh, being with us. Appreciate it. Hope your weekend's going well. I'm really glad to have back a friend of the program, uh, Miss Laura Reese. Uh, She comes on a couple times a year and gives us a a very, very important update as far as uh, what's going on uh, down at the southern border in particular. Um, And uh, just wanted to let you know also that uh, she's written a really good article. It was at the end of October titled Incoming Speaker and House Republicans Cannot Squander Another Opportunity to End the Biden Border Crisis. And it couldn't be put any better than that you can go to heritage.org uh to grab that article for free and um we'll jump right into it uh miss reese thanks so much for being with us today really appreciate it thanks kevin for having me on yeah absolutely so um and by the way uh laura was a director of the border security and immigration center at the heritage foundation she has over 26 years of experience when you talk about immigration homeland security uh she worked twice at the department of homeland security on management and immigration policy and operations issues uh most recently as the acting deputy chief of staff on top of that and what we've talked about in the past when laura was uh, kind enough to join us is she actually uh, lived in Mexico and, you know, understands the uh, the people and the culture and just kind of what's going on on both sides of the border. So I wanted to get that out there, too. So I guess, uh, Laura, just to get us started on your article, um, the importance of this new speaker, tell us what you, um, you know, what you think should happen and that would be best for the country when it comes to the border right now and what we might expect. Sure. And Chris, my apologies for uh, misnaming you. Oh, no problem. (laughs) Um, 
All right. So back in May, the House of Representatives passed a very strong border security act called Secure the Border Act, H.R. 2. Uh, and it's since been collecting dust on the Senate side. And what we need to do is to get that across the finish line and get it to the president uh, and dare him to veto it. Uh, Our border and our interior, because the border is open, is in chaos right now. And we are facing daily very real national security threats because that border has been open. And um, while Biden has been in office over six 7.6 million illegal aliens have been encountered by Customs and Border Protection. And on top of that, there's been about 1.6 million known gotaways. And that is really the troublesome population that we have to worry about. The um, CBP has reported numbers that they've caught, and those are alarming. Um, So just between the ports of entry, for example, uh, this past fiscal year, CBP caught 172 people on the watch list hit. Now, that number doesn't sound large, but when you go back to pre-Biden times, that number in a year was three. So quite a jump there. Plus, over 500 watch list hits caught at the ports on the, um, at the land border port. So, again, we've got a, a real security threat. So the most pressing issue right now is Congress should direct funding to ICE and specifically say this money needs to go to ICE to find these national security threats who have gotten into the country and detain them preemptively. Americans should not have to wait for a terror attack to then have our leaders react. Um, That's the most pressing need. Now, meanwhile... Congress is considering still all the appropriations bills, um, even though we're into the next fiscal year. And so Congress has multiple opportunities to defund the open border operations that this administration is carrying out, um, particularly the non-governmental organizations um, who are you know, radical left allies of this administration who are all too happy to receive the billions of dollars to receive, transport, shelter, feed, and provide social services to uh, illegal aliens coming up all the way from Panama North. Um, When it comes to the money, and the White House is asking for more money in a supplemental uh, for quote-unquote border security, any extra dollar given to this White House is just going to continue their current approach, which is open border and process more illegal aliens into the country. So what is needed with any money are the policy changes to stop the illegal flow. And that's where H.R. 2 comes in um, that needs to be passed. That's Secure the Border Act. So, um, like you said, uh, the lower chamber, the House, um, kind of took care of this, and and they've done, if I under, if I remember correctly, about two thirds to three quarters percent of the appropriation bills and the the necessary funding, while the Senate hasn't passed one of their twelve appropriation um, responsibilities. 
And then the big disconnect is that we're hearing, we saw uh, the new speaker, do, uh, which was phenomenal to me. I mean, just a godsend where he said, we're stripping out. If we're going to talk about Israel, we're talking about them by themselves. And we're going to offset um, with some of the money that was passed that should have never been passed by Pelosi and those uh, under her when she was speaker. Um, to the IRS. So I thought that was wonderful, but right away we're hearing, no, it's going to be Israel and Ukraine and, uh, as you mentioned, quote-unquote, funding the border for more security. But it's not really security. It's just, uh, it's it's basically uh, daycare that they want to provide uh, as opposed to, like you said, the, the hard assets going to ICE and other law enforcement that can actually do things to keep uh, Americans safe. Yeah, that's right. And I agree. Uh, it was great that Speaker Johnson did that, just said, nope, we're doing an Israel-only bill and, and um, to take the money from the IRS. For uh, it seems like decades now, Congress has gotten away from single issue bills because the bigger the bill, the more things are combined, the easier it is to slip in all kinds of pork uh, and waste um, and corruption that benefits members of Congress. So, of course, Senator Schumer came out and said, no, I want a big bill and we're going to combine all these things because that's his M.O. That's the left M.O. and unfortunately some on the right as well. Um, so that's fine. They can threaten that it's a non-starter. They say that all the time. Um, but force it. Force the issue. Make them vote now on, on aid to Israel and see how that goes over. Um, and, yes, the, the White House has already tried to spin that Republicans are against border security because Republicans don't want to give the White House the money they're asking for in the supplemental which is ridiculous because all this White House is bringing us is more border insecurity. So it's, it's imperative that the members of Congress don't fall for that border trap and that they are, Congress is very specific about what money shall and shall not do. Uh, and we saw that a few weeks ago when President Biden had to admit that he had built a new section of the border wall because Congress so directed the money back in uh, fiscal year 19. And so we've seen how this administration wastes DHS money, and they are, they've completely turned ICE into a social services benefit because ICE is now being led by politicals who are radical leftists and loathe immigration detention and refuse to deport illegal aliens. Um, so if you just give ICE another dollar and our silence on it, it's going to continue down the path of towards more social services and not immigration enforcement. So Congress needs to reacquaint itself with its very powerful power of the purse and use it similarly to the way it directed that border wall money. Yeah. So um, and, and talking about that customs, border patrol, uh, those professionals and the professionals at ICE, um, I go back, uh, made me think about, I want to say it was like around June um, when you had some congressmen and women travel down to Texas uh, for a, uh, a hearing on the border. And um, the gentleman, and I actually took time to watch it, um, the gentleman that represents the Border Patrol, and I thought he said there was roughly 19,000 of, of those or so um, total, 
was talking about the um you know morale had just to- it was totally decimated um it was so disheartening to hear that suicide levels were higher do you have any idea what the current status of morale is with uh, the professionals in the border patrol uh agency uh, it's it's in the basement uh because they're not allowed to do their job so this is not what they signed up for uh you know this week there's been reports and even secretary mayorkas was questioned about this about you know pulling agents including uh investigators and intel agents to go to the border to quote make sandwiches for illegal aliens um, and, and that's how DHS works. It is a volunteer uh, component where if there's some sort of disaster, it's expected that staff at DHS, no matter which component, um, go volunteer if they're able to for you know whatever the issue is. But in this case, um, Mayorkas is not prioritizing uh, Americans or national security, and they continue to push for more rapidly processing more illegal aliens into the U.S., and that's where they put the resources, leaving gaping holes in the border and in other security aspects that the department does. Um, so, you know, you talked about, um, and God forbid, but it's inevitable, I'm sure, unfortunately, the terrorist attack or attacks and the type of people that are coming in, just the ones that we know about, um, that uh, are on the watch list or that we don't even know they should be on the watch list and they're not. And um, all the things that happen, you know, in the dark of night or the cover of day, either one, it doesn't seem like it matters. But you look where these people are coming from. Um, and I, I mean, I have to admit it, I had never even heard of the country. I probably can't even pronounce it correctly. Uh, Moratayana. Uh, which is down, yeah, which is down near Morocco. And there's like, I see there's over 15,000 that have come in from there. So I'm like, okay, Chris, you should know better about something like this. So I looked it up. And one of the things I saw all the way back in 2014, France establishes a long-term military operation to prevent jihadist groups from setting up safe havens in that area. I mean, this is just insane that the people that we're letting in here and not properly vetting and following up on. Yes, and, and people are getting through. Um, we just had a uh, case where, uh, you know, another suspected terrorist got through um, and then ICE had to scramble to go find them and it took them two weeks. Um, and this is not the first time in the board administration. So, you know, CBP is reporting the numbers which that they're catching, and, and they're bad enough. I mean, we've got Egypt, Iran, Syria, Uzbekistan, Pakistan, Lebanon, Jordan, Yemen, Iraq. Um, the list goes on. And, and really, while Biden's been in office, uh, foreign nationals from over 160 countries have come in to the U.S. That's about 80 percent of the globe um, countrywide. So, um, again, you have to look at that. Uh, known Godaway number of 1.6 million, how many more bad guys slip through in that population um, and are, you know, planning attacks? Yeah, especially with what we're seeing now with Israel and uh, the Palestinians and, you know, the protests and all the 
nonsense going on here. Um, it, I think it might be starting to light a little bit of a, you know, a fire under people to want to understand things better and become more educated on them. <clears throat> Excuse me. And again, folks, I can't say it enough. You know, uh, Laura and her colleagues, we have heritage uh, folks on often because they're good at what they do and they tell you the truth. So if you go to heritage.org, you can read uh, Laura's latest uh, article and her previous articles on, um, on various issues and really get a good, firm understanding of what's going on. So, Laura, just real quick, I mean, you know, you, you did spend time, um, you know, down below our border in Mexico. Just give us an idea of what it was like for you with the people and the culture in general for you know the Mexicans as well as if you encounter people down in South America as well. Yeah, I mean it's been a while that I've spent considerable time down there. I've since vacationed, but I mean I lived down there during the nineties. So it was it was pre the the gang and the drug wars. Um and, and just lovely. Lovely to live down there. The people were uh wonderful. Um you felt safe. Uh, it, it's very different now, unfortunately, in multiple parts of Mexico due to the gang activity, the cartels, how powerful and, and rich and threatening that they have become, um, that it's just a shame. I mean, we used to go down near um, you know, Reynosa with our church and, and build houses down there. That got cut off due to um, cartels fighting with each other. And it's just, it's sad that they have grown so powerful and wealthy and, and really run Mexico right now. Um, and unfortunately, the Biden administration has contributed to that. Uh, the cartels have operational control of our U.S. border. No one crosses that border without uh, the cartel's involvement. And um, Biden has let it happen. He's got strong tools that he could use uh, with the Mexican government and even the cartels to improve things, but he doesn't use those tools. He's not willing. When you were at DHS, how close do you think you got, if at all, to declaring the Mexican and South American drug cartels as terrorists? There was a lot of internal debate on that, um, and that still continues today. There... The question is, do you need to do it to, you know, affect what you're trying to do? Um, and there's some downside, too. If, if you so designate these cartels, uh, then you're also increasing the claims of asylum you're going to get from Mexicans, for example. Interesting. Okay, I can't, I can't go back to Mexico because, you know, what you, you, U.S. named ter- these terror or, excuse me, cartels. Um, terror organizations. Great point. I, so, I had never thought of that. That's an excellent point. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's it's still being debated because there's no easy solution in terms of whether to so label them or not. But I, I would venture to say it, the label is not as important. There are other ways to get after the cartels. And, and do you think that would include, because I, my uh, understanding was it would free up our military to do uh, more. Um, and But I guess, like you said, it, there's uh, two sides to that coin. Right. Yep. 
Excellent. Okay, well, again, um, Laura, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Folks, you can go to heritage.org. Laura Reese has been our guest uh, today. Her latest article is um, Incoming Speaker and House Republicans Cannot Squander Another Opportunity to End the Biden Border Crisis. And you can't say a bigger amen to that. Um, And it's a great read. So go to heritage.org. Laura, thanks so much. And I hope to uh, and look forward to talking to you in the future to get an update down the road thanks chris my pleasure okay take care enjoy the rest of your weekend uh just a plethora of knowledge uh, a lot of great stuff you can read that uh, laura has written about you've seen her on tv and heard her on the radio and read her stuff i'm sure but um as i mentioned her and her colleagues and of course the other guests that we're blessed to have come on the program to tell us the truth and enlighten us, um, we just want to keep doing that for you. And um, we'll be back uh, next weekend to do it again. In the meantime, uh, we'll be talking with you on the Morning News Express with uh, Bob Miller and uh, Chris. We're all, you know all three of us are going to be talking and and uh, trying to get you the latest information on what's going on in the business and financial and. Uh, just the the world in general, because you know you have politics and all kinds of different things that uh, that that funnel into that. So we'll be talking with you five fifty six fifty seven fifty a.m. every weekday morning. Those are live conversations that I really enjoy with Bob and Chris. And then um, we'll be back here next Saturday for another edition of the Your Financial Editor Program. This is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success. You didn't even cry this time He said that we could never see eye to eye And one of us just must be blind We have our differences, we're still the same See what we won't want to see Take a second look and maybe things wouldn't seem the same If you could see what you mean to me Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com.